Ready for some word today? All right. If you have your Bibles or your Bible apps on your phone, find with me the book of Matthew, chapter 28. I'm teaching right now on a series called In Control. If you already have these verses in Matthew 28 memorized, good for you. I guess you don't have to look. Uh, but I will anyway. Matthew 28, this is where we're starting, verse 18. And Jesus came and spoke to them, saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Amen. Let me say what I've said before. This is a very popular passage, well known in Christian circles. Usually the emphasis is placed on the Great Commission, which it is. Uh, But also within the Great Commission is tucked inside of there a great revelation about delegated authority. How Jesus said, it's all been given to me. And so I am in essence giving it to you so you can carry out my will right? That's how the kingdom of heaven works. Um, It is how many things on earth work. Many companies and businesses, we understand regularly authority is delegated. If you want to get anything done, you delegate, right? There's got to be multiple levels of authority and so forth. God works this way. He doesn't do everything. He, He assigns us to do his will, and he has authorized us to do um, such. Now, one clear New Testament doctrine is, is that the believer today is in a higher position, outranks the devil. All right, We have been, according to the word Ephesians 2, raised up with Jesus, and now we are seated together in heavenly places in Christ. So we're not beneath the, de- the devil. We're not subject to his power, his influence. We actually are above him. The devil is under our feet. So knowing this authority structure would, will eliminate fear, will eliminate I'm helpless whenever attacked. We start to exercise the rights of our redemption and the authority delegated to us in Christ, and we're able to overcome in this life. In fact, what Jesus did, see, he took back what Adam gave away, and he delegated that to us and authorized us so we could rule and reign in this life. The will of God, the plan of God is not that we uh, just make it, hold on to the end, but live defeated lives. See, all the good stuff is not reserved for heaven. The good stuff is, re- is, 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 is a setup for us to live um, with joy and peace and victory and overcoming lives while we're still here. Everybody with me? Sometimes people, their their mentality is, Lord, come back. Now, I want him to come back too, but Lord, come back. Or one day it's going to be great in heaven. But if we go too far with that mentality, we basically are throwing in the towel while we're still here. Let's not throw in the towel. The Lord has plenty of joy and peace and health and miracles and victory and power and provision for us to live long and strong and reign in life while we're still here. Yeah, that's his design. 
I know it's a fallen world, so in one sense you could say, well, it's never going to be as good as then. I wouldn't disagree with that, but it can still be quite good. Absolutely, quite fulfilling and enjoyable in this life. Romans 5.17 reads, For if by one man's offense, that one man is Adam, one man's offense, death reigned through the one, much more, those who receive abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness will reign in life through the one, Jesus Christ. So again, you see, because of what Jesus did, we are called to, we are enabled to reign in this life. That's, That's an image of of uh, royalty. It's an, it's an image of um, being in charge, having control, having power. We reign through Jesus in this life. Say, is that for everybody? No, no, it's not for everybody. It's, look at the, right in the middle there. Uh, I act like I'm in control, but they are. Uh, um, It's for those who receive. Did you notice that phrase? Who gets to reign in this life? Those who receive. Not not a blanket automatic process for everyone. The receiving is the prerequisite to reigning in life. Yeah? So I'm not going to receive what I don't know about. But when I hear, when I find out what Jesus did and how he did it not for himself but for my benefit, then I can receive and that sets me up to reign. Hallelujah. And so when we reign in this life, I also want to make this point. It's not limited to I just reign over my thoughts. I just reign over my decisions. I just reign over things like that. We, that's true. That, and that's necessary. We also reign over what, what was activated through sin. Poverty, sickness, and death. We reign over Satan and all his activities and his attacks against us. Okay? So it's not just limited to, okay, now I can control my thoughts. That's part of it. It goes beyond that to what Jesus accomplished by putting us in a higher place above the enemy. Now, uh, the devil cannot afflict without our permission. Pause for thoughts. Without our permission. Sometimes that might be dismissed because you think, well, I've been plenty attacked. I didn't give him permission. Well, actually, you did. It might have been through ignorance. We don't know what we don't know. And if we don't know what we can do, what we ought to do, what we're authorized to do, then we're not going to do it. So he still got our permission just in a, through a lack of knowledge. Okay? And sometimes he gains permission through our lack of action, meaning we know what we have. We know what we can do. We know about the, the, the power in the name of Jesus, but we're not actually saying anything. We're not actually doing anything. We're not actually using it. And so, uh, if we refuse to take a stand, that is, by default, granting the enemy access to steal, kill, and destroy, which is why we're teaching, why we're going over this and, 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 and explaining these things again and again, not only so we come into the knowledge of what we have, what we can do, but the application of that is that we actually do something. Yeah. 
we learn what to say. We learn how to pray. We learn when to take a stand, when, when we can resist and drive these forces back. But preceding any activity is the foundational knowledge of who we are in Christ, what He has done for us, the position, the rank we have in the kingdom of God, and how Satan is defeated and under our feet. If you really know that, if you know it, if you really know it, then the devil knows you know it. And he's afraid of you. But he's not afraid of people who aren't in the know. Because deception is his game. And who will rule and reign over them through lies, through deceit, through intimidation and fear. But fear has no place in the, in the, in the life of the believer. It really doesn't. We should never yield ourselves to fear. Never yield ourselves to anxiety and concern. We're constantly worrying about stuff. Come on, that's not reigning in life. That's not ruling. If that's been happening, if we've been yielding ourselves to it, it's time to get, get, get to business and talk to the Lord first and say, sorry, I haven't been trusting you. I've been worrying about stuff. And then say, I'm going to take a stand. I'm going to resist this and not let the enemy run roughshod over my life and my family and my thoughts, my emotions, my body. Everybody okay? Amen. And so our faith then, our trust should not be placed in our circumstances. We don't look to find out what God's will is. Well, what is the Lord doing? Let me look. No, no, no. I don't look out here to determine God's will. I look in here to discover his will. I look to what he said. God's, will, God's word is his will. His will is what he said. His will is not revealed out here. What happens in your life may be, may be God, may not be God, may be a combination of, of the two, but that's not the, the revealer of what God wants to do. We always are to find uh, his will through, through his word, okay? And, uh, and so if someone says, I'm just trusting God, I'm just going to trust that God is working out his plan, I'm just going to trust that it's all working out. God's going to work out his plan. Slow down. What, 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 is it, what do you mean by that? Because God is not automatically working out his plan in everyone's life. Now, if you say, well, I think he is. Stop back and look at reality for a minute. Look around the world. Even look in your own life. Can you, could you honestly say everything that happened has happened is of God? Everything I've ever done. No, I don't want to determine God's will by looking at what, ha what has happened. Um, he's not working it out. He wants us to know it so we can then enforce his will. So if we say God is working things out for me, okay, how? Here's one of the ways he's doing it. He's moving us into position or moving other people into position to get truth to us. So we walk in the light of what Jesus did and what his word says when I, once I know it, now I can do something with that and I can enforce this victory. It's not happening, happening independent of my involvement. So when we think God's working, God's moving, he's helping me. Yes, but how? How? I sit back and he just does it all? No. He gets truth to me. He, 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 he sends people across my pathway, just like he sends us across others. To, to remind people of what he said, of his word. So I can say, I'm taking you at your word. I'm going I'm to believe. I'm going to do exactly what you said. I'm going to speak. I'm going to believe. I'm going to do these things, and I'm going to resist the devil, and he flees. 
Now, I want to I go with you, you go with me, I'll go with you, to a, a very popular verse found in Romans chapter 8. Very popular, I mean, in Christian circles. This verse is, is quoted, uh, used um, more than many. And honestly, I think misunderstood by many. And it has to do with God working everything out for good. Okay? It's Romans 8 and verse 28. It reads this way, And we know that all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are the called according to His purpose. Now, at face value, without any, you know, investigation here, what people often hear, all they hear is everything's going to work out for good. And if you would, again, just by observation in your own life and the lives of people you know, um, were to ask the question, does everything always turn out well? Does it all work together for good? I think, again, if we were honest, we would have to say, no, I know some situations that started bad, they were bad in the middle, and they ended bad. <laughs> I mean, they certainly didn't turn out for good, right? Now, now take off your religious dogma for a moment, and well, no, it all turns out, we just don't understand it. Ah, we can understand a good bit, that some things, they just turn out bad, at least for a bunch of people, right? And, and so we don't want to just blanket cover all people and all circumstances and every event with this verse and say, oh, it's all good. I know you feel like you, you just lost your life and you feel like you're horrible, but no, 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 it's really good. No, it's really not good. So let's look at this a little closer. I want you to first notice that it doesn't say here that all things are of God. That's not even mentioned. For us to take a verse like this and start interpreting what happens to us, our experience, and say, everything's of God. That's not what that says at all, because not everything is of God. Some things are of us. Some things are the enemy's work, right? Some things are a result of sin and so forth, but it does not say that everything is of God. And then as far as things working together for good, I, th I can see here three qualifiers, three qualifiers for that to happen. The first one is, very plain, is that they love God. So it's not talking to people who, who don't love God. Does everybody love God? No, no, no. Some people hate God. Say, well, well but all, all Christians love God. Well... I mean, maybe they had some kind of something going on at some point, but I've run into a lot of Christians, by my observation, they love the world. Some of them love themselves more than they love God. If we'd be honest with ourselves, we might be able to look in our own lives and say, yeah, I haven't always loved God as you know, priority. I've loved myself or I've loved this thing down here. And, uh, and so for us just automatically put ourselves in the category of, of lovers of God, I'm saying, I don't know about you, and I better keep a checkup on myself. 
am I loving him or do I love something else above him? Even Jesus taught us in, in John 14, he, he said, if you love me, you'll keep my word. If you love me, you'll keep my word. <laughs> Anybody having doubts about your own love for God? <laughs> well, I, well, I say, well, I loved him a minute ago when we were singing. <laughs> I really felt it. I really love the Lord. Jesus defines our love for him by what we do with what he says. So I don't want to just, just, just interpret this as I have warm and fuzzies when the, when the power of God is manifest. Oh, I really like this. You really like how God makes you feel is what you're saying. <laughs> but, but maturity says, I love God. I value what he says. I prioritize his word to me. I'm going to submit to it. That's who loves God. Sorry to be disqualifying a bunch of people from this promise, but I, I just, want to get, just want to say what the Word says here. Okay, so they love God. Secondly, they are called according to His purpose. According to His purpose. What, what's the purpose of the Lord? That would be something worthy of, of investigation as well. 1 John 3, 8 says, For this purpose the Son of God was manifested, that He might destroy the works of the devil. So I would ask myself then, is that what my life is about? Am I in active participation with the Lord in destroying the works of the devil? And, or am I just passive sitting back and saying, whatever will be, will be, it's all in God's hand? Or am I being a doer of the word and resisting the devil and he flees from me? Am I speaking the word? Am I laying hands on the sick? Am, am I actively involved in what Jesus was involved with? Because again, I don't see that everything's automatically going to work out and turn around for the person who yields their mouth to the devil. In other words, God says something good about them, but they say the opposite. The Lord has, has instruction one way, but they yield themselves to the opposite that's not how things work out. I could, I could be rooting for you, praying with you, trying to encourage you, but, but, if, but if everything you do then ignores what God says, how is that going to work out for our good? Hallelujah, hallelujah. If I give him, you know, unchecked access, the enemy unchecked access to my life and then throw a little Romans 8:28 over the top of it I don't think that's what this what this means so they love God they are called according to his purpose and the number 3 you know what they say I don't see a third one in there the third one is found in the very first ver very first word do you notice the first word of that verse it's the word and which leads us to the verses prior to it you don't start the sentence with and unless there was something. Otherwise, it's not an and, it's an only, right? And, and you read the previous verses, it's talking about spirit-led prayer. It's talking about the Holy Spirit making intercession for us. It's, it's talking about the things of God being prayed out. So without those qualifiers, how can I just, just say, everything works out for good? Well, no, who's praying? Have you prayed about this? Did, have you in cooperation and been given unction, utterance in the Holy Spirit, prayed out the will of God? 
Say, why is that needed? Again, it's a revelation of how God's will isn't automatically established in our lives and in the earth. We have a part to play in that. It is a cooperation, a teamwork between the Holy Spirit and us. What if I'm not a team player? (laughs) He's moving on me, but I don't have time to pray. He wants a certain thing to happen, but I don't yield myself to prayer. And no one else is praying about this situation. Then not everything's going to work out for good. That's just the fact. We might want it to. We can quote the verse, but if we're leaving out the prayer, then we're taking the, the scriptures out of context. Hallelujah. I know some of you have to take this verse off, the, off your plaque on the wall now. No, you can leave it there. It's still a great verse. Just get a marker and write context. <laughs> And when, we, when we're participating in, with him, we can say, yes, yes, the Lord certainly wants everything to work out for good or he wouldn't have told us how this works. Amen. We have the revelation so we can experience it, not because it's automatic. Amen, amen, amen. amen. And so, uh, is God at times working his plan through us when we're unaware? I believe that's true. Uh, looking back in my own life, I can certainly identify that at times his invisible hand was leading me, and when I didn't know it in the moment, I wasn't fully aware of what he was doing. I wasn't conscious of that, of that reality, but I'm not going to do this. I'm not going to look forward and presume that every move I make is automatically God's will. I'm not going to presume that every circumstance I find myself in is part of his design. That would be presumption. If that were the case, it totally removes the need for faith, the need for obedience. It removes our part of the equation. Someone said, well, what about predestination? Aren't we predestined to do certain things? What about election? Doesn't God decide some things for us independent of our will or our choosing? And now watch, certainly when it comes to your calling and some of those those matters, he does choose that. I don't get to choose my calling, what his assignment is for me. But that gets stretched way too far. And the good news is, is there's a verse right after verse 28. It's verse 29. And so look at that. It goes on to say, Paul writes, For whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. Okay? So watch. If God predestines everything that happens in people's lives, then everything that happens must be his will. If he decided it, he pre-planned it, he guarantees it's going to happen, then it's all his will, even sin. If he's pre-planning everything. Okay? But this verse, of course, limits God's predestination only to those whom he foreknew. All right? In other words, 
He's not predestining, predestining anyone to hell. His predestination doesn't have anything to do with those he doesn't foreknow. In other words, those he would look into the future, into our future, and he could see this person is going to accept me. This person is going to put their trust in me for eternal life. They're going to receive the Savior. Then he can make some plans based on that foreknowledge. He can work towards us. He can, he can, do, he can do these things. Um, there's another, another verse uh, in, in 1 Peter. But before I, before I read that, listen, this belief that nothing can happen to us except that God either does it or he allows it, it's a false belief. It's a false teaching. All it does is create a, a passivity uh, in people and basically... Um, allows uh, them, causes them to yield to Satan's bondage instead of resisting it. Remember James 4, 7, resist the devil and he'll flee from you. Well, if I think everything, is, everything that happens to me is, is God, either in the causative or in the permissive sense, then what, what do I have to do with any of that? 1 Peter chapter 1 and verse uh, 1 and 2 reads this way, Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to the pilgrims of the dispersion in Pontius, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia. Read that a bunch fast. It'll help you speak in tongues. Uh, <laughs> verse 2. Elect according to the foreknowledge of God the Father in sanctification of the Spirit and obedience and sprinkling of the blood of Jesus Christ. Grace to you and peace be multiplied. Now again, when you think about the word foreknowledge... Uh, foreknowledge simply means you know in advance what's going to happen. Knowing, knowing something in advance does not have causative power. Just because God knows someone will reject him does not mean he's enforcing that, he's making that happen. Uh, foreknowledge just simply is knowledge of what is to come. He doesn't predetermine based on, on that. Okay, uh, with God's knowledge, though, um, this is to our advantage. It's to our great advantage. If we walk closely with the Lord who sees in advance, who knows what's coming around the corner, then that can work for our benefit in, in a couple ways. The Lord will, will use his foreknowledge to warn us of impending danger, Amen. to warn us of things that are going to turn. And, and then he can also use his foreknowledge to prepare us for what is to come. I'm glad God sees ahead. His plans for us are good and not for evil. His plans are for life and not death. He's made us to rule and reign in life. And now the Holy Spirit is our guide, our comforter, and he sees ahead. Let's say, what's our job? Walk closely with the Lord. Don't make this so mechanical that you're just following like a robot, following principles and doing religion. Where it's just, I, I give my tithe, I worship God, I attend this, I... No, 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 no. Relationship. Communication. As much as we've been authorized to do, we have been put in charge down here for this time, we still need His help. We need his guidance. And none of this works outside, uh, none of this works very well outside of a relationship with God. And, 
If I will listen to him, he'll prepare me for what's coming. This is, this is one of those danger zones when we start interpreting every word from God and running it through our filter of foreknowledge, which is not much. We run it through our filter and we say, well, I don't know why I need to do that. Well, why would I avoid doing this? Because I don't see why that would be a problem. And we miss it and we get there. We're either blindsided or we're, un- we're unprepared. And I want, to, I want to challenge you further. We have the written word. This is good 24-7 all the time. Anything you read in there, apply it. We also have the Spirit of God. And what we are doing in here and what my calling is, as well as others, in speaking and teaching is to yield to this Spirit who knows the future. And there are 100%. There are very much times when I have inspiration from the Lord to say specific things in the moment. Why is that? Because God sees the future. It may be warning, it may be preparation, but it's getting us ready for what is to come. And if we're too carnally minded, if we're too earthly, naturally focused, we dismiss stuff and think everything's fine in my life. We dismiss words to, to spend extra time in prayer or to come to a special meeting or to, to do various things that we think, well, yeah, that's fine. I mean, I don't know if I need to do that or not. Hold on a minute. Why? Because you don't see the connectivity? You don't see why you need to or why the Lord would bring up a topic? He va- Listen, I'll tell you, he values this if we'll trust him. Because sometimes he'll tell you what's coming and sometimes he'll just tell you what to do because he sees what's coming. And sometimes, just like parents will tell their kids when they say, why, why, why? They'll tell them, you know, in this situation, you just need to do it. And you may not, they may not understand it or you may not have the time at the moment to go through that. They just need to obey you. And how many think we can be natural grown-ups and still the children of God and still say, yeah, I'd like to know why you want me to do this, but I'm going to do it whether you tell me or not. So I would encourage everyone not to take lightly the things that are being said. I'm not by saying this, telling you that every word out of my mouth is the same as God himself speaking. I'm teaching, but you got to listen for inspiration. You know, don't say, well, I know they're doing that marriage thing, but my marriage is fine. (laughs) Warning and preparation. Hallelujah. (laughs) Trust him. Trust his word before you see the reason for it. And then you'll see it later. Amen, amen. A friend of mine recently told me he he was going to buy a fly fishing pole. And uh, I don't have have much knowledge of that. Some of you do that. I don't know how much they cost or anything, but uh, he said he was going to buy this fly fishing pole. And while he was doing that, the Lord checked him, as we say, basically showed him, don't get this, don't do this. 
You might say, well, why? What's wrong with that? Get in your head. Why? So he didn't. And a few days later, someone gave him one. Now, that obviously was not a life or death scenario. It wasn't going to change his life whatsoever, but just learning to trust when he guides. He just probably would have wasted some money, something like that. And maybe the gift wouldn't have come, come through. You trust the Lord because he sees in advance. Amen. Now let me finish with this. Is the Lord working things out for us even when we don't see it? Is he working behind the scenes? Yes, I believe he is. Nevertheless, that kind of statement does not mean that everything's going to automatically work out for everybody. Again, don't make the song a verse. Understand the big picture. You know what I'm talking about when I say the song? We say that, we sing that song. I like that song. I love the words. Let's keep doing it. You know, even when I don't see it, you're working. Even when I don't feel it, you're working. That one. You never stop. You know that one. Good song. However, if it never comes into the realm of seeing, if it never comes into the realm of feeling, what good was it? I'm telling you, God is not working to the end result is we don't see it while he's working. We don't see it when he's done working. We basically don't ever see anything. We don't ever feel anything. That's not biblical. It is all to an end. If you're singing, he's working, he's working, and five years later, he's still working behind the scenes and you haven't seen anything, change. <laughs> Recently, we were doing that, that song. Again, great song. A great song as is, you know, but our worship team, Whitley and those, they, they added a verse. They added a line to it at the end, and, and it said something to the effect of, even now I can see that you're working. So they went from even, even when I don't see it, you're working, to even now, I think I've got the words right, even now I can see that you're working. You know, when they did that, I'm standing over here saying, enjoying the presence of the Lord, and it just went up. God just manifest all over that thing. You know why? Because we brought it into the here and now. We brought it into, into reality. And this is how the working of God is active, but it's often active to put us in position to hear so we can act on his truth. We can act on, uh, on the word of God. When we act on that truth, the rest of his working is made manifest. In other words, it comes into the realm of feeling and seeing. Praise God. This is the way the things of God work in the earth today. This is the way we can see them manifest in our lives. And this is how we can cooperate with the Spirit of God in this world. Amen. Hallelujah. I'll pick up there next time. I have much more to say about in control and you want to hear it praise god thank you lord let's pray father thank you for working in us today thank you for working in our lives we magnify your word above your name as you have done we magnify what you have said thank you that you are not a man that you should lie 
nor the Son of Man that you should repent. Have you said it and shall you not do it? Have you spoken and shall you not make it good? We believe in the word of the Lord. We believe in what you've said, what you've promised. We submit ourselves to that word, believing in you and only in you. We will not fear. We will not worry. We will trust in you, acting on your word, bringing these things to pass in our lives. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for ears to hear, for understanding to come. We give you all the praise and all the glory.